Lord Jesus, we bless you this evening. Would you, Lord, would you meet us? Let us simply sit at your feet, spend time with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So today's one of those years that falls every so often when the fourth Sunday of Advent is also Christmas Eve. So this morning we were together, and this morning we were keeping, as we say in church, we're keeping the fourth Sunday of Advent. And therefore we spent time with Mary. On the fourth Sunday of Advent, when we're close to the birth, we read the Annunciation Gospel lesson when the Archangel Gabriel comes down to Mary and says that she's highly favored, God has found favor with her, and tells her about the plan and opportunity that God has for her to bear his own son. And hallelujah, Mary says yes. So this morning we noted that in Luke's gospel, Mary is presented as a model follower of Jesus. She's presented as one who opens her whole heart and who trusts God with all of herself and she's a model follower of Jesus. Now, from the hints we can cobble together, Mary's life was probably not easy. She's a part of a community of Jewish folks in Jerusalem or that area who were quite poor. Paul, later on, amongst the early followers of Jesus, is going to try to, to raise funds from the other churches to send to them to help them because they're quite poor. She's in a nation that's occupied and things are tough. She's in an arrangement, a marriage arrangement that probably wasn't a big romance. Probably, I'm going to go, we don't know, but probably Joseph is a widower and Jesus' brothers probably came from that. And this is probably something of a poor family working out a situation of convenience we don't know, we're not told, but that's the way ancient people probably would have heard that. So Mary's waiting to be remembered by God. She's faithful, she's holding on, but it's not easy. But then the angel comes because God has decided in his own wisdom that the time is right for the Logos, the Word, who spoke all things into being, who spoke the cosmos into being, it's time for that Logos one to weave himself into that story that, if you will, he was writing. So in order for that to happen, he had to be born as a person in the normal way. Now, having the archangel show up and being told that you will become pregnant by the Spirit of God to a virgin woman is not the normal way. But once she said yes and all that happened, then it's normal way after that. Because it's important that God entering the story would walk through all the phases or swim through or crawl through or you know birth his way through and all the other stuff, all the phases of human life. He'd take all that on. So he could identify fully with us so that he could truly get into and under it all, if you will, and take it all into himself and raise it up and make it new. So this happens. And Mary is a model follower of Jesus for her courage, for her ability to have hope, for her humility, for her openness and full availability to God, for her sense of trusting in holiness that holiness is a good thing and a gentle thing and a beautiful thing. She's truly a remarkable person, this young woman. 
And God felt that. He felt like that because he appointed her to be the mother of his own son. And I think Joseph, we get the hints from Matthew's gospel that Joseph was a good, faithful, humble man of character as well. And so they say yes to God, each in their own role, each their own way. They say yes to God. And you know what happens once you say yes to God, right? Things smooth out. You get healthy and wealthy. Right? No, things get crazy. And things get crazy. And things get crazy in their story. And that's what happens when God decides to sow the seed that's going to take down the empires. Things go crazy. And they get wild. And so it does. So Caesar's uncomfortable. He just senses something So he says, I know, I'll call a census. Because if I call a census, then the whole world will remember who I am and that I'm in charge and that when I say so, they have to disrupt their whole life and go do what I tell them. Because I'm really the one in charge here. So Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem, the house of bread. They go to the house of bread because the living bread is going to be born. They go to the house of bread because the bread of life is going to become yeast, sowing his life into the fabric of history. They go because the one who gives daily bread, the very essence of being, who is himself the very essence of being, who spoke life into being and embodies that life himself, he's going to be born into time and history. And it's not easy. It was so difficult that when they went to church, there was no heat. (laughs) And they had to bundle up, and they couldn't light a fire, and they couldn't even have real candles back there. I do apologize. The heat's off in this building. We wrestled mightily with that this morning, and the answer is the heat is off, and it can't be on. It can't be fixed. So... Let's just all take this as a little opportunity to live in solidarity with Joseph and Mary on the discomfort of their journey and with Jesus in the discomfort of the cold. We'd have it on if we could, however. We wouldn't, we wouldn't require you to identify with them if we didn't have to. So my apologies. Oftentimes, God with us does not mean things get easier. Oftentimes, it means things get tougher. Oftentimes, it means things get harder. God loves adventure. I think sometimes we don't picture or teach him that way. We teach him as the one who's safe and who wants you to, you know, stay safe or don't get out of control or don't try too hard or don't do too much, but God loves adventure. And this is quite an adventure. So they go, there's no room for them in the inn. They end up either in a manger as in a barn behind the house or in a cave. Now, in spite of the fact that our friend Mako thinks it was a manger behind the house, I still asked him to write our Christmas book. I'm a cave guy myself. I think it was a cave. But one way or the other, there he is. And the animals are his friends. They really are. Because the body heat of the animals would have been important. 
I had an English friend who lived in a home that was 500 years old. You know, my house here in New England is 300 years old. 300 years old this year. That's pretty good, right? I mean, you go to Ipswich, you get some older ones. But 300 is pretty good. But in England, 300, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, built that last, last, you know, last round of building. We threw that one together. My friend lived in a 500-year-old house. And he talked about how the bottom of the house was big and open. And the top of the house had all these little rooms. And the reason was that the, the animals would have been ushered into the bottom of the house so that their body heat would rise up and help to break the chill on all the folks above. So Jesus, he's leaning on, depending on these creatures. They're sharing their body heat. In some mystical way, they're delighted because he's come to sort humans out and humans are the thing in the cosmos that needs sorting out and he's come to do it. So then there are these shepherds out in the fields. They got their own critters, their own beasts, and they're trying to deal with that. And these angels come and sing to the shepherds. This is another piece of the Christmas story that we have sentimentalized. How many of you have seen the Chevy Christmas ad? Oh, my word. Go watch the Chevy Christmas ad. Google for it. It's a little little five-minute mini-movie. It's fantastic. It doesn't have anything to do with Christmas, really. It really is sentimentalism. But it's a good sentimentalism. It's about family, which is good and wonderful and valid. The angels singing to the shepherds was not sentimentalism. This is a loud, big, God-is-moving thing. And they came to the shepherds because the shepherds were the lowliest of the low. And in Jesus' economy, the first become last and the last become first. And the ones on the bottom go to the top and the ones on the top go to the bottom. And he's going to stir up the world. And the way that humans like to order things in empires, he's going to disrupt with the kingdom of God. And so it starts right away. And the angels come to the lowest of the low. They come to the shepherds. And they sing and they pronounce this wonderful thing that God is on the move. So the shepherds, the angels go away. I love this line in Luke. You know, the shepherds say to each other, well, let's go see it. I mean, what were they going to do, right? Like, you're out in the fields just another night. Angels come and this happens. What are you going to do? But anyway, he says, hey, they say to each other, let's go see it. So they do. And they get there, and they find it just the way they've been told. And Mary, the model disciple, three quick things about Mary. We're told that Mary treasured these things in her heart. Literally, we're told that she guarded them and pondered them. She guarded these things and pondered them. Mary had long learned how to have the inner space in her deep inner person to be able to both live in difficult circumstances and simultaneously to hope that she would be remembered and that something would bring life to her. And she had long ago learned in prayer to develop this inner person where she could be present to reality and also sort of watching reality and hoping things would change. And having a developed inner person through prayer gives us that space, if you will, 
to both live and be real and also to pull away and to hope for something else, to change, for something to happen, to know that there's someone there and to want that someone to remember us. Mary shows that she has been a woman of prayer. Young woman, but nonetheless a woman of prayer who's had time to develop that inner person. Model disciple. So when the angel comes to her, something in her clicks, and she says, this is right. And she says, let's go with it. I'm in. Massively huge in her life, and she goes for it. Second thing, Mary is able to keep hope. Her life circumstances have not been easy. There is no way. It seems as if her future is sealed. There is no way that she can see to write, the, to, to write a different story. And yet she's kept hope somehow. She's kept goodness in her heart with that space that she's made. And she's longed and waited to be remembered. And she recognizes this is me being remembered. Those two go together. They work together. So Mary's given to us as a model follower of Jesus when he grows up and goes on his thing and calls people to follow him. When he shows that he is God with us and people begin to go, oh my word, this is different. Mary has already modeled for us how do we respond to Jesus. He's born of her in order that in our hearts, he might be born in us. So the word tonight is simply to let Jesus be born in your heart. Let him be born in your heart. Let him be Emmanuel, God with you. Let him be God remembering you. Let him be God walking in the difficulties with you. Let him be God taking your suffering and your failings on himself and carrying those and bearing those. Let him be God opening up a new future for you. Let him be God opening up a new, a new future through you. Through you bringing a new future into the world. Let him be God making life profoundly meaningful. Gentle holiness, courageous justice, abounding love. They named Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Friends, I invite you simply to get into your own inner space. Just talk to the Lord for a moment. the ways that you wonder if he has noticed. He knows the places where you long to be remembered. Where you're afraid, where you're tired of walking alone, where you can't write the future differently and you don't know what to do.
can you simply say to him, Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus God with us, and hold on to that. Take that word, guard it, treasure it in your heart. Keep it, hold on to it. Maybe like the shepherds, won't be long maybe, before you can go glorifying and praising God for all the things you've seen and heard as they've been told to you. Lord, come, come tonight. Come to your people. Bless you.